Nathan, when we initially connected, what excited me most was the opportunity to really bring a well-rounded, modern, omni-channel marketing conversation to to what is a global, passionate, out-of-home audience, uh, and really to talk about the challenges facing CMOs, marketing leaders, and and have an insightful dialogue from that perspective. But within minutes of us initially connecting, you're talking about wrapping buses and stuffing it full of executives and prospects and how you had police escorts on the way through Dallas to a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert and you've hung billboards upside down. I realized this conversation is going to be so much more than that. So Nathan, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited to uh, have this conversation. I'm super excited too, Tim. Welcome everybody to the Out of Home Insider Show, a podcast like no other, hosted by the one and only Tim Rowe. ready to have some knowledge dropped on you and to be entertained because nothing's more valuable than food for your brain so sit back relax we're about to dive in as the best industry podcast is about to begin it's uh, i've got some fun stories <laughs> you sure do and i think uh you even talked about the poor man's brand lift study and how to use google search console for that with out of home and that's something that we're going to talk about and we'll get there but by day, you're a fractional CMO and you have a finance and management consulting background, specifically cutting your teeth in management consulting. How how did you go from finance and a consulting career to helping companies grow and scale as a sales and marketing leader? Well, I was I actually went to school for marketing, so I I graduated with um <clears throat> in a in a program that was specific for marketing with actually a, a specialty in entrepreneurship. Oh, cool. Um, and and it, it just so happened I fell into finance and and it was a very senior role. I was a VP of finance at the age of 21. It was wild. I was totally unqualified. I wore <laughs> fake glasses because people didn't think I was old enough for the job. And um and 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 realistically, that kind of just propelled me into kind of a very senior position very, very early in 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 my life. And because of that, I, I was I was afforded this kind of opportunity to really work with angel investors in some of their companies and and really be a, a management consultant and and kind of be their eyes on the ground. Um, you know, sometimes in private equity, these are like the people that are like board observers, but I'm a little bit more hands on. I'm like an operational consultant. Um, and you know, meanwhile, while I'm doing all this, I, I was always a marketer, so I always had these kind of side businesses where I was doing things and 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 really building products. And I really enjoyed marketing. I, I always was fascinated with marketing ever since I was younger. And that's why I went to school for it. And so it was certainly a passion of mine. And I think when I really got into marketing was actually uh, when I started doing super affiliate marketing, um, mm. media arbitrage, um, which was a, a thing where I was buying a lot of media and I was arbitraging basically the cost and the revenues I was earning from from but offers. You're, you're fronting the ad spend essentially in exchange yes. for exactly a, a little piece is. of the take, right? That's like the the wild west of advertising is really it, that. It, it is the wild west, man, because you can make and 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 listeners don't. This is a gamble. So just when I say these numbers, don't think it's gonna. It's a, a get rich quick scheme. You'll lose all like, your money too. Pre, pre, uh, previous results do not guarantee future hey, outcomes. This yeah, is the, not, the disclaimer here. We we we. You could easily generate thirty to fifty percent of your money a month return. Wow. Okay, but but there's no revenue certainty. Okay, mm. just because there's a conversion doesn't mean that vendor is going to pay you. 
you have to deal with that risk every single time. That's why I stopped that business because it was just like excruciatingly stressful. Just because on paper I was making money didn't mean I was actually going to have cash flow. And it was like, it was not a fun business. So you ended up in the collections business, probably. Yeah. Yeah. You get into, and, and, and you get really stressed, right? Because we're like, we're not talking about like 20 grand on a credit card. We're talking like 200 grand on a credit card. Um, right. You burned the money. It's gone. It's spent. And we're hoping that the people pay us for the things we helped them sell. 100%. So, so anyways, so sorry, I was doing not this, to sidetrack. I was, I was doing these marketing sides, side gigs and, and I, I love them. Like I really, really did. And, and what I started realizing when I was like in, like these businesses and I was like looking at these businesses and working with these businesses, I just really didn't find the marketing talent great. Mm. Um, and if I was doing this on my side job, like as a hobby, kind of a very serious hobby, um, I was like, why, why are people paying for really subpar talent? And then I saw massive gaps between the advisory work and the actual implementation. And then I was starting to talk to my friends who are all very successful business owners and they were all like burned from marketing people. And so it was just very frustrating. So we, so I, I ended up becoming a COO for an ad technology company, which, which really was great because I really learned the ins and outs of like ad technology, how inventory is bought, how much fraud there is. And when I left that company, a bunch of the members essentially joined me to create find your audience. Um, and, and that was kind of the basis. So just like many s- small businesses, we really started with like mom and pops, um, mm-hmm. small retainers, like call it 1500 to like maybe three grand a month. Um, and now we've graduated to middle market to enterprise where, you know, I'm not, I'm going to say our retainers are five figures. I'm not going to get, get into the specifics of that, Sure, but we're certainly, you know, well past the seven figure agency and, and we've, we've graduated into that, but it's, it's also because I'm incredibly passionate about the work. I'm incredibly passionate about finding white space, um, finding opportunities, repositioning companies and, and, and also having the team to, execute on that. So that's why, you know, I'm in a part of executive groups. I'm I'm one of the very few fractional advisors that actually has a full team to execute. Now that mm. means that for again, listeners, just because I'm a fractional with a team doesn't mean I'm doing better. It's just because I want to scale. It's, um, that's your business model. That's a yeah. that was a strategic decision for you. Yes. I, I wanted to scale. Some some fractional advisors just want work life balance, which is like you earn 10 grand, you work five hours a month. Great. Good for you. Awesome. Right. But uh, a lake house and yeah, two dogs and it's great. Yeah. And, but you're not executing. And so I I don't like that. I don't, I don't like how I'm giving people advice and like, I have no control over the outcome. It's, it's like, for me, it doesn't make me feel good. It really just doesn't. It doesn't feel right. It feels like, it feels like, um, it feels like, here's a good example. It would be like, if you paid me to give you the Ikea instruction manual, but then Mm -hmm. I didn't give you any tools. (laughs) <laughs> so you'd be like sure. hey, here's how to put it together you just got to source your own allen keys and yeah it's like sorry man and- like i got those like you're 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 buying like this bookshelf for me it's like hey man here's all the materials here's here's like your your little like playbook um but sorry dude like no screws no allen keys <laughs> like you, you gotta like just figure that out yourself it's gonna sorry, end dude. up in the closet or outside at the curb on trash day i'm not gonna use it and that's exactly what happens Right. That's exactly what happens because a lot of times like business owners hire these advisors and they actually forget that they really have to invest some time into executing. And often these playbooks, um, these suggestions, these recommendations, they sit on their desk for for years sometimes. Right. And um, 
I, I, I just don't think you're providing value then, right? And, and I, I don't feel good selling that. Okay, so let's let's double click into this and 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 maybe we can unlock an early takeaway for some of the listening audience who are largely selling advertising. It's a lot of business development. We've got a large sales audience representing the media, offline media community. How can they they've got all these great ideas and they bring them to brands and present them? How can we help brands to take some of that maybe heavy lifting off of their plate and facilitate some of these ideas coming to fruition because there is such a disconnect between ideation and execution. Is there something that maybe the listeners of this audience can implement in their process to add more value to folks like yourself? I think when it comes to out of home and people who are selling out of home, you're predominantly selling to people who are marketers and and, and maybe even creative shops. And so the the biggest thing that I think every every business owner, even our enterprise side, they're very data driven. And so hopefully, if you're an out of home person and you have been approached by maybe a data vendor where it's like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna put these things on your out of home spots, and it's gonna help you capture data. I'm gonna say you should do that. Um, you sh- you should partner with that because every single person under the sun that runs a large organization. The first thing you're going to say is, oh, I'm going to do an out of home ad. How am I going to measure that? Um, and they always have most people who are not marketers have a massive gap between an out of home advertisement and how are they going to measure it? Right. Mm, so you can the go ahead thing and- itself, like the actual billboard. Yes. Right. It- I get that as a concept, but then getting to how am I going to measure this or how is this going to come out in the wash for me? That's a chasm. It's a huge chasm. It's a massive chasm. It's the Great Canyon. You know, for, wow. honestly, for some people, it's, it's, they literally cannot put two and two together. The only thing they know is, oh, I, they, they immediately equate it to something that they're familiar to. And you know what? All executives are familiar to the 32 highway billboards that they blast by mm. every single time. And, and they couldn't th- tell you who's on them and they, they've never really given them any attention. Exactly. And so, so you're really fighting that uphill battle of that, that chasm. So you have to be extremely mindful about that. Um, so, and then the second thing is you hopefully are selling something that is relevant to the market, whether by a proximity or whether by industry. And a great example of that is, um, we've done billboard campaigns around manufacturing facilities, like industrial facilities. Okay. And, and, and so, so it's very easy for, you know, if you were selling this to go to a SaaS company that is only selling enterprise software to industrial companies to be like, you are putting a billboard beside their office. Right. Like that, that logically makes sense. That, that logically makes sense. Right. And so, so you do have to do a little bit more homework on making sure that your, your out of home ads and, and, and those locations are, are very relevant to that market and, and explaining that, you know, like the media kits where you go eyeballs and traffic. That's it goes right over the executive's head. Like no mm-hmm. one cares about that. The marketing manager might appreciate it in the sense of like trying to drive an overall impression strategy, but the executive who ultimately buys it, like the CEO who ultimately comes down hard on the marketing manager, is going to look at that and just be like, "This is this is a stupid spend. Go mm. go do digital. Go do digital. I I like it because you can measure it. You're, you're going to go buy an ad outside, and we're going to have to pay for print. You're going to have to install it, and we're going to you know we got to think of all of these things. It doesn't make sense to me." So you got to be very, very hyper relevant to to whoever you're selling. Um, and then the third thing is, 
you don't want to compete against the creative shops. You don't obviously want to tell the marketing manager what to do, but you should be steadfast in saying, don't do an ad that everyone else is doing, Mm. right? You have to stand out. You are just as much as a impression as you are on a digital swipe. So that means if you aren't doing a good hook, if you aren't doing something creative, if you aren't doing something even bizarre, you're not going to get something memorable. So as a, as an account manager, you should, in, in the best interest of your clients, really push back when you go, your ad sucks. You're just, it just sucks. Just don't. It's almost just, a responsibility. You have a responsibility. Ideally. <laughs> <laughs> really? Like, and if you, and if you adopt that as a mindset, like, I have a responsibility to you as the client, to the format, to, to, to the public seeing this thing that I am going to deliver value. I agree to hold you accountable as the advertiser and challenge you in that way. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, I've done ads where the bus stop is right outside the door and it's actually a map to the door. What do you right? mean? It, it's, it's literally, so it's a bus stop station. Okay. And it's, and it's, a, and it's a, it's a portrait side. And literally, it's like, this is the store name. This is the picture of the door. Oh, so like you literally know which door to walk in. Into, yes. This so is as you're the walking, door. As you're walking, you're not even looking at the retail front. You're being, you're being forced wow. to see the ad. And then you, you, and if the ad catches it, you, you immediately go look at the door. And it's, and it's completely unconventional. Um, in fact, I think someone on a blog actually picked it up and, and actually posted it and said it was a genius idea. I thought, I thought it was relatively just logical. Um, but, but, uh, you know, people liked it because it was just very, very contextually relevant, but it was also a little bit bizarre because no one does that. Um, right. And, and so it forces you to go look at the door and it forces you to actually think about the brand. And, um, and as you mentioned just at the beginning, like I have intentionally put a billboard up upside down. Right, you put a billboard upside down, and like the creative was upside down. Right, but that was on purpose, and you did that. When and why did you do that? So it was for a restaurant, and we we put it up upside down because because when you do that, you get all these people on social media go look at these 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 idiots. (laughs) These clowns screwed it up. They put it on upside down. But but the reality is is the amount of impressions and shares I got it was is, is more than that billboard itself. You could have bought a billboard on a side road that only saw a hundred cars a day, but you got that one person who's going to stop and take a picture and troll you to blow up the the whole campaign. And 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 you know what? People go, "You're crazy, Nate." But if you if you go buy any five hundred, seven hundred thousand dollar course on social media, they make intentional mistakes all the time. It's literally a common practice to do intentional mistakes in your reels or in your videos or in your captions to force engagement and to force people to actually go, hey, like, did you even notice that? To to actually make a person spend energy on you. And um and it's something very common in digital. So if you if you feel like it's a bad idea, if it's so common to actually purposely do mistakes in digital, and trust me, I like I'm not the only expert that has put this into a course or somewhere, then it probably works out of home too. Wow. Because we put such a high bar on the creative and the the romance of beautiful creative. And and I think that so often we associate perfection with that 
Really? And Specsavers, I don't know if you saw, there was a, a great campaign out of the UK a few months ago, Specsavers, they, they do eyeglasses, and they did a whole series of out-of-home placements where it was upside down or sideways, or the ladder looked like it got stuck underneath the vinyl for the billboard and somebody made a mistake, and it was this kind of delightful play on, hey, we're an iVision store, and all of these placements have a quirk about them it's you know playing on those two factors to to create that memorable brand experience yeah and and so you can do it the pure creative route or you can just do it the bizarre route and 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 i think what ends up happening is it is that perfectionist kind of view mm-hmm. and you know in one of my first guest podcasts i said we often get so stuck on this idea that everything we put out has essentially um, we, we think of it almost in spotlight syndrome. We all have inflated egos. <laughs> sure. Um, and people who, who run companies have inflated egos on how much reach that they have on an organization. And a great example of this are people who um, refuse to do a new website, even though they get maybe like 20 visitors a month. So, okay. so, so rather than just launching an incrementally better website, sure, they want just... the perfect website. Mm. So then they go through 30 iterations mm-hmm. and they never get the website up. But the reality is they, they've only got like a, 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 a measly 20 to 50 people coming to their website. So why does it matter? We're it, really it talking about like incrementality. Yeah. It, 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 and it doesn't matter. So, so you can spend a year trying to do the perfect creative, but guess what? you're really not going to know whether or not that creative is great until you put it into action anyways. So, so, so is it better not to do an 80% product and actually see if that's even mm-hmm. worth it? It's the whole reason why people do polling and surveying, right? It's like the whole point is, is not to look for perfection. The point is, is let's drive some sort of result so that we can, you know, garner an observation that will drive further recommendations. And if you have no results, then you have no recommendations. And then now you're just time-wise, you're a year older, right? And so so, so a lot of times I feel like billboards too, people are like, oh my God, we, we, we got a spelling mistake. A period's missing. Oh, everyone's going to think we're stupid. Panic button. Yeah. And we got to reprint like, everything and emergency. It's a fire. Yeah. And really, you what? can leave it up and capitalize, lean into it. Yeah, and 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 I and and even on my first podcast, that one that he was saying that uh, he knew someone who wrote the same newsletter, and he's like sent it out like three hundred times. And this one time, he changed the the title because he's always had the same title. He had like three times the response rate, but it was by mistake. <laughs> right. So 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 this idea, this so so I think it's like it comes to this like whole like inflated ego, like spotlight syndrome perspective, where it's just like you want perfection and you think you need perfection but the reality is is like you don't (laughs) you really don't how many times has apple tesla produced an imperfect product and guess what people still buy it people still use it right apple didn't have a decent camera until like what three years ago and still the number one phone in the world yeah and, and 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 tesla is falling apart it's still doing great right like you could pull pull the rubber the plastic pieces off the back the back you know, I think uh, there's a video online where if you drive your your th- your uh, Tesla three too fast and you you go into water, it'll like bust out your bumper because it'll, <laughs> it'll catch like a cavity in your bumper, essentially like punch it out from the back. Um, and so 
Wow. You got, you got all these, like, the reality is, is that you don't need perfection. What you need is scale, right? And, and, uh, and, 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 and that, that hinders like productivity and it hinders like progress. So I think like out of home ads are a like, perfect example of that. Sometimes people spend too much. You can do something as simple as what I just did. Flip it upside down. And guess what? Just because you look stupid, it doesn't matter because people are going to remember your address and people are going to remember your brand. Forever. Probably yeah. forever for that restaurant. They'll forever be known as the restaurant with the upside down billboard. Yeah. And so, so that's we, something you can't buy. We also, I, I, this, is, this is simple. We also did this for posters. What do you so mean? In-store posters. Like, like in, a, in a store window. In, in the store window. On the retail front. We instructed all franchisees to put the poster upside down <laughs> because people walk because people walk by and they go, "Look at this idiot!" And then they look in. They look in. They stop, and so hard, they, right? It's the same as getting someone to stop scrolling on social. How do you get them to stop and give you three seconds of their attention? Exactly, and and the number one driver for most people and for for like brand new restaurants is literally having people look at people eating. In the front of your restaurant. So for the brand, 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 brand new restaurants, we do simple strategies like this. And then we, we tell the owners to get people to sit right at the front. Push them to sit at these tables where they're visible to passersby. And really, I think it's the mantra that we've, I think had at the top of the page since we first connected about sustainability and practicality. We talked a lot there about, about scaling and principally for you, it's sustainability and practicality, something that you can repeatedly do over and over and over. What does that mean? Like what, what, when you apply sustainability and practicality, like those are two kind of buzzwordy things for other reasons, but when you apply them to marketing, it's really, really impactful. What does it mean? So, so a, a great example of that is TikTok's great. Mm-hmm. TikTok's amazing right now, right? If you have the talent to produce TikTok videos, do it. And the the question is, is can you do it consistently? So, so, so let's put this into a bit more of a of a realistic perspective and walk this step by step. Say you've hired an intern, mm-hmm. and he or she um, or they are call it twenty one fresh out of school, doesn't really know what they're doing, is an intern. So great, yep. you have an intern and they and they know TikTok. So they're going to create some videos with you. So for three months, you're going to be sustainably able to produce good TikTok videos, which awesome. is practical because you have a 21-year-old who's technically experienced to do this for you, but it's an intern. Mm-hmm. So now you have to ask mm-hmm. yourself, is that sustainable? Now mm-hmm. you have to ask yourself on a bunch of perspective, can you actually sustain a person who's 60% of their day it's just going to produce TikTok videos. And is that sustainable for you? Is that, is this that a sustainable action? Um, and then practical, is it, is it something that they can do well? And is that something that you can continue to enable them to do well? So meaning, can they actually produce, you know, really great, amazing content? So you have to be in a operational environment where you can sustainably do something for a long period of time without it disrupting your business. And two, you need to be able to do it well. And you need to be able to operationally do it well and, and afford them the environment for them to do it well. And if you can't do either of those, then don't do it. So I'll, I'll put this into a more simple perspective. Maybe TikTok's not great. 
let's just say I live in a city of a thousand people. Mm-hmm. And let's just say my marketing tactic is local associations. Got it. The BNI, Chamber of Commerce, right. whatever. Neither. So, and, 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 and let's also put it, I am antisocial. I am okay. an introvert. All I right. prefer to be home. Might so be this a challenge. Is not, this is neither a sustainable or a practical tactic, right? Because one, I'm not going to do it well because I'm an introvert. Two, I've got one BNI group to go to because mm-hmm. I live in a city of thousand people. Right. And there's only seven people in that BNI group and there's no more business to exchange. Exactly. So, so the, 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 the fact of the matter is I always preach, you got to be able to do something that's going to be easy for you to do across a long period of time. Um, a great, another good example of that is a podcast that's just audio versus a podcast that's video. If you're a person that travels a lot, how are you going to do a podcast of video? That means you're going to constantly have new backgrounds and you're, that means you're going to travel with a full setup. And that's your choice. Sure. You got to ask yourself, is that a sustainable thing for you? Right. And then, and then again, you know, maybe you don't have a great stage voice or maybe you're just really good, really bad at, at just speaking. And so therefore, is it practical? Um, it could be practical if you invested some energy towards it. So then it always comes down to, is it sustainable? Is it practical? And then more importantly, where does this fit on your priority chart of tactics? Because I can guarantee mm. you there are other sustainable and practical activities that you can do. So you should probably do those. How do you identify, and this is probably an episode or a three-day conference in itself, but is there is there maybe an easy way to kind of shortlist what a few of those things might be? There is. And and what what so I call this I this is also kind of my my poor man's um marketing discovery uh process. So what I call it, it's called the zero is the journey from zero to a hundred. And what I want to do for any of you listeners, you can do this at home. You don't have to be a scientist to do this. Okay. Okay. You you need to just just draw a line on just draw 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 a basic like line chart kind All of right. like on a piece of paper don't and just honest on, be honest with yourself and say, if I was a customer, one, how do I first start or learn about this industry, and then what do I think ultimately influences them along the journey? So that could be um, a forum post, that could be a friend referral, that could be looking up on Google, that could be looking up the company's case study, that could be talking to a salesperson. And you draw this out in, in, in a little bit of a, in a, in a, a kind of a line chart in what you think is a reasonable sequence of events. Sure. And then what you do is you apply values to them. You go, what do you really think, just based on your anecdotal experience, influences them to a hundred. And, and, and this could also be negative. So you should also be honest and say, well, what would push them away from me? Right. What could they land? So if you're Google, if you're, if you're a dentist, okay, great example of this. Um, a lot of people look up dentists and then they're, you know, who are they going to go to the dentist with 4,000 reviews or the dentist with three? Right. So, so, so you should put on this chart. Okay. Well, well, I'm only at three reviews. So I'm probably going to get some negative points here when they look at me on Google. Google Maps because mm-hmm. I know they're going to look at me on Google Maps. Sure. And and then then you look at all these things and you go what can I do really really well? And you prioritize based on the high impact one. So so you first look at the high impact one and be okay, sales call. Okay, how do I influence more sales calls? Well, that means I could cold call. Okay, I'm I'm not a great cold caller. I don't know if I can do that. I can close, 
Meaning if they're warm I can, and they're, they're coming to me with their hand up, I can probably close, but I don't know if I can invest too much energy in that. Okay, so let's go back to the Google My Business and the reviews. Okay, I have lots of customers, but I'm not ranking very well in Google My Business. Okay, I can work on this because I can just go back to my customers. I'm not scared to talk to those customers. And ask them to give me a review. And ask them to get my reviews. So, so you kind of go through this journey and you kind of just ask yourself, which ones can you actually really action on well? And you prioritize it based on the influence. So ideally, you, you can do the ones with the most influence. But if you can't, that's fine. That's, that's life, right? Mm-hmm. You can't, can't have everything. You can't have a pine sure. too. Um, and, and you, you go through this and then, and then sooner or later, when you've optimized everything you can do, and hopefully you're making more money, you can invest into fixing everything else. And that's kind of mm. how I, I, I kind of reset people because I feel like everyone gets super lost, right? They're like, Oh my God, I got to do Instagram reels. Oh, Hey, you know, I gotta, I gotta do blog posts. Oh, I gotta do SEO. Oh, I gotta post on LinkedIn. Oh, I gotta make cold calls. You know, oh, I got to do a funnel. Oh, I got to do sequences. You know, everyone gets lost. Mm -hmm. But if you're lost, do this exercise, reset, and just go, what can you do sustainably and practically today? And focus on that because your priorities, your priorities will change when you have more resources. When you have more resources, you can reshuffle your priorities. If you don't have resources, you do what is sustainable and practical. That is your, that is your North Star. And as you were saying, I just, wrote in big letters and circled it kind of comes back to this theme of being okay with everything not being perfect. And that's that's really the key is giving yourself permission to execute, iterate, optimize, move quickly, and to keep that feedback loop sustainably propelling itself. And that I think just has so many implications beyond marketing. That's that's life stuff right there, um, Nathan. You're break, breaking it down in in a way that's really practical. I think. Uh, wow, that that one's that one's going to stick with me for a long time. Just being okay with it not being perfect. Reed Hoffman uh, has a has a quote about product launch, and if you if if you're not embarrassed by your first product launch, you waited too long to launch. It's, and it's and, a great and, measure. And honestly, I've learned this so much from my media arbitrage days. When we first started or when I first started, I was so picky on the aesthetics of the ads because I thought the aesthetics of the ads would do so much. But the reality is some poor aesthetics made, made great conversions. Ugly marketing. Ugly marketing. Like some of our ads, some of the A-B split tests we had were literally like old school Windows 95 paint versions. Mm-hmm. And people click them. Sure. It's a little bit right. nascent. It's like the upside down poster in the window. It's exactly. not so perfect. So 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 it's it's really it's really disrupting the frame. And and if you can make it relevant enough, it still can garner conversions. Right. And it's and it's still a little bit like you know, and, and I can bring this, I can bridge this to so many other industries, but you look at social media influencers, some of them don't just talk about business content, they talk about business content, lifestyle content, all these things. And if you think about it, um, they're doing that just because they need more volume. But ideally you just want them for business. You want the people who are actually interested for business, but for some reason they're doing lifestyle content. Right. But, I don't really need your lifestyle advice. That's not why I come to you. I come to you for specific insight on this category or niche yeah you just need scale and you need engagement right mm. and that 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 is that is that is unanimous across every single industry right um and if you don't have scale then then guess what you got to be hitting home runs 
that's what you got to think about, right? Right. If you don't have scale, you got to be hitting home runs. Right. You don't. You don't. You don't really have a chance to 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 do poorly. So so scale is far more important than trying to hit a home run every time. It's a real hard way to sustainably and practically over a 162 game baseball season win games by just hitting home runs. You're going to need to hit some singles and walk it's and get on with 100%. an error. You're going to need to play some small ball. Yeah. Tell us about the bus. Tell us about the bus, the red hot chili peppers. Like this, this, this is again, this could be a, a podcast in itself. Tell us this story. So the, the number one thing that I believe in is you got like, especially when it comes to experiential things, you got to make an impact. Okay. Like if you don't make an impact, no one's going to come to you again. No one's going to remember you. And, and this is very obvious in like the conference circuit. When you go to conference circuits, especially with very institutionalized conferences, you know that the people that have been coming to conference are going to be like, oh, I'm going to XYZ's party. Right. Everyone has that XYZ party. There's Absolutely. like a standard party that everyone goes to. Why? Because they've created an experience, but they've probably created a level of reputation through time. So as a player that's new, that's coming to an absolutely massive conference that's been institutionalized for years and has had major leaders in the industry sponsoring every single year, we had to go to a conference and make bank. Okay. And were you the were you the big dog or were you the we little were, dog? We weren't we weren't the number one sponsor. Okay. No, we weren't, right? But we spent money on you know, we spent money on other things. And so the 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 idea was okay, I, I was asked, okay, Nate, how how would you make this different? And I was like, you know, I'll tell you one thing that I'll never forget. I was on a bus with a police escort. That's an experience. <laughs> I'm never going to forget it. So you had personally experienced something I had personally like this. Experienced it. Okay. It is a thing. Every single person on that bus had their phones up. It's and awesome. As everyone's it, looking at you. It's cool. It's cool, man. You're, you're in a freaking, you're in a, your giant bus. You're blazing through red lights. Like it's, it's, it's this like, this is what it feels like. It's, this is cool. Like this is, this is really, really cool. And, and so I said, look, why don't we get a bus and why don't we do that? And why don't we transport whoever we need to go from point A to point B, but let's make sure the bus starts at the conference center. Cool. Right. And so, so now you think about it, we're doing this event, the conference is done, everyone's going to that major event. And then like kind of this key select group of executives are now loading onto a bus that has been specially vinyl wrapped with the brand for this event. So, so there is some out of home on this, right? We did vinyl wrap so every single person could see it. Mm -hmm. They can see the police escort outside. Sure. Okay. And now all of these executives are going onto this bus as people are leaving the venue. That okay? in itself is a spectacle and a statement. It's a massive spectacle. And 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 then of course, obviously, you got the sirens as they're leaving. <laughs> like everyone's gonna be like, whoa, what the who who's where are they who, going? You're not, where not are they going. Who who's that? I want to be on that bus. And every single person is gonna remember now. And so so it's 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 really again using a, a bunch of things to make sure that we create an experience that's gonna be incredibly memorable. And so that's what we did. So we we did we did the vinyl bus, we vinyled the bus just for the event. And then uh, we got a police escort and we, I, I believe the client had 
one or two booths at Red Hot Chili Peppers. Mm-hmm. And they went and that was the experience. And wow. every single person from that event is going to remember. Forever. And everyone who went to that big time party was wondering the whole time, where did they all just go? And I'm sure it was the talk of the conference. And I'm I'm sure that there was a business outcome to this, but was this an overall success? Did they close deals? Like, was there a was there a business objective behind it? As we you know, always have to talk about measurement. So, I guess. <laughs> so anecdotally, this is this was actually the weird thing. Um, anecdotally, the the client that I work with is in a very competitive space. They're a new they're a new entrant, very okay. new entrant. And the moment I kind of knew that our marketing was working was actually so I'm very good friends with a managing director at uh, one of the big four banks here in Canada at CIBC. And he messaged me because I posted about them on my LinkedIn. And he's like, what do you know about that company? I was like, oh, I work for them. I'm like, mm. I'm like their fractional marketing team. And he's like, oh, I've been watching them. I was like, I was like, why would you be watching them? this guy? He, my, my, my good friend, he only deals with like $50 million and above. Like, okay. Right. So, so they have to be big companies. So, so I was like shocked that he was like watching them. Um, and, and, and so that was kind of like that anecdotal level of like, I was like, oh, wow. So like people are really starting to notice this company. And, um, and you know, I, I, I do know just from our client that, that they are doing much better. Um, I'm trying not to name them because I don't, I don't, I feel like they wouldn't be happy if the competitors knew who, who, who they're using to come up with their ideas, but, totally. um, they, they, they are, they are doing well. They, they have, it is an incredibly competitive space and, and they have, they have been able to, at least put a foothold into that space. And that is not easy. No. And, and really it's by having taken the the contrarian path and going against the grain and maybe not doing some of the things that would have been traditionally expected and being willing to take a, take a major, major risk on, on an execution like that. And, but you've created an experience and now garnered the attention of folks that maybe wouldn't have otherwise been paying attention and all well, of the well, good things I- that come with that. We can put it as simple as what would you pay for a hundred executives that fit, that literally fit your qualifications of a TAM, your total addressable market for them to remember you for a year? What would you pay? It's a question that I'm not even going to take a shot at answering yeah, right? because uh, so, so it I should be like left that, unanswered. So that's kind of like the outcome of that. It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. Teach us something. Teach us about the poor man's brand lift study and how to do it on Google search console. You said this to me and I thought to myself, Oh my gosh, there's someone else out there in the world that's thinking about these things and they're not from the world of out of home. It's incredible. So I'd love to hear kind of how you think about really just measuring out of home in a very conventional, sustainable, practical way, such as Google. So, so as you know, and, and, and anyone listening, you, like there are other ways that you can measure this. You can, you know, if you are lucky enough and you have $150,000 to spare, you can go ahead and knock at Nielsen's door and they'll do a brand lift study for you. <laughs> um, or, you know, you can even go onto Google and spend like, I think it was like $50,000 to do a brand lift ad campaign. Oh, which wow. is basically, you know, like uh, for everyone that doesn't know what that is, uh, you know how like every 34th video, you kind of get a video that's a survey that says, yes. have you seen Sephora in your last thing? And that's a brand lift study that they're running. That's just um, a standalone campaign. That's a standalone in itself. service that Google does. 
And so, so if you can't afford any of this, which I feel like a lot of people don't because you're spending all your money on media, which is a good thing. Um, the sad part is, is that sometimes you do have to spend money on reporting. And so, um, the poor man's brand lift case study is, or, or method is really using Google search console to measure brand lift. Um, and so if you go into your Google search console and if your client doesn't have Google search console, make sure they go ahead and get that installed and verified before you do your campaign. You can essentially look at brand lift based on obviously the time that you have your insertion order for. So if your insertion order is for three, three to six weeks or two months, whatever, ideally they're not doing 32 other campaigns at the same mm-hmm. time. You know, if they're, if they're tight on budget, they probably aren't. Um, but what you can do is you can use that Google search console. And then what you can, what you do is, um, in the filtering section, there is something called regex. Regex is something called regular expression. Call it fancy coding word for filtering. Okay. Um, it's like an, it's like an equation essentially. And so you can put in this kind of pseudo equation that will filter out all of the words that have the brand. Or sorry, filter filter in all the words that have the brand name in various mm-hmm. different formats. So if it's a brand name that has a space, it'll capture that. And you can just look at that. And so it's a great way for you mm. to see um, month over month. keywords and search exactly, terms. Exactly, that you're seeing more impressions. And if you're seeing more impressions, you know, generally speaking, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm going to take a whim here, but I'm going to say 70 to 80% of all people, first thing they do is Google the name. Sure. And so... Generally speaking, if you see an impression lift and you know um, just through their media buying program that they're not spending too heavily anywhere else, but they are spending a majority of the budget on out of home, that's going to be a great indication that your out of home locations and and plan have generated some sort of media lift and and brand lift and, and recognition and is staying top of mind and doing all those things that you're, you're, you're essentially selling your clients on. Um, and then, of course, like on a digital perspective, I don't really love, um, you know, tracking visits because it's it's really hit or miss. But, you know, obviously tracking that along with a brand lift on Google Search Console is going to be a great, you know, evidential perspective of like, hey, you, you've done a good job right. um, and, and you're actually seeing an impact. So that's that's the poor man's brand lift um, process. And I, anyone can do this. Like you don't you don't have to have any money to do this. And it's a great way for people to really see if whatever they're doing, both digital, out of home, um, really, or even print, you can, you can do this. So I really recommend um, if you're ever working with your clients, make sure they have Google Search Console, educate them on on measure and monitoring their their brand keywords, um, and and using that as a great way for you guys to say, hey, this this campaign's working. Um, you can clearly see a lift. You can clearly see an increase in trend and impressions and clicks. Nathan, you've given us so much. Thank you for for doing that uh, and just giving us an incredible conversation, a ton of insight. What can we do for you? Where where do we get in touch? Where's the Latin long? What do we need to know about all of the things that you're up to? Awesome. Um, well, I have like a little fun IG channel um, called FYA.MarketingBytes, and that's with cool. a Y. And uh, that's kind of where I'm doing a whole bunch of educational content on theories and actual psychological research about like how mark how, how like research actually applies towards uh, marketing. Love. And then of course you can just find me on my website, which is uh, www.findyouraudience.online. And if you want, you can just connect with me on LinkedIn. I don't think there's a ton of Nathan Youngs that are marketers, so you can look up my name. Uh, my last name is spelled Y E U N G, 
And I'm sure Tim is going to be so kind to probably place this somewhere, sure somewhere will. in the podcast or in the description. So it'll be easy for you guys to find me. It'll all be right there in the show notes so that you don't have to do any additional digging. Nathan has done all the digging for us and presented us just with a, a, a treasure tref, treasure chest full of gold today. Nathan, thank you so much for being here. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. If you found this episode to be helpful, please share it with somebody who could benefit. As always, make sure to smash that subscribe button. And wherever you're listening, leave the podcast a review. That's how you help us grow. Until next time, see you. It might take a lifetime to know just who you are. Quarter century, I finally came to my senses. I finally got my hand up on the tinted Benz kid. I see the world clear through my tinted lenses. With the dream and the drive, the possibilities endless. Now print that, send this all the way to Tokyo. Take a trip down south, down to Mexico. Next stop, Shanghai, the world class trade show. First class all the way, cause that's how we roll. Yeah, call us the rock star businessman. Rocking shows we handle business, man. We got our own future in the palm of our hands, cause divided we fall and together we stand.